they are all shocked. And so uh, let's watch this clip. That you would be the Son of God. Elizabeth had a baby, even in her old age. Elizabeth has a husband! Women have been put to death for this. They could stone you in the street. Do you understand? You should have stayed with Elizabeth. Father. Father. I have broken no vow. Oh, you have broken every vow, Mary. Was it one of her soldiers? Was it? I have told the truth. Whether you believe is your choice, not mine. Mary. And you shall call his name Jesus. For it is he who will save his people from their sins. And oh, Mary, God showed me. An angel came to me in my dream. You believe me? I believe you. Your child will be the father. I will declare him as my own. People, they will not look at you the same. They will not look at us the same. You are my wife. I am your husband. That is all anyone need know. And so there is a little glimpse of... Uh, what it might have been like for this couple to discover that uh, they were with child and to have to adjust to that. I think so often we can skip ahead of that and uh, just kind of assume and jump right into the story of the manger and the birth of the child and yet not realize that these were common people, everyday people. And Mary, we don't know a ton about her family background. Uh, we do have uh, family trees, and, uh, but we, we don't know the occupation of her father or their standing in the community. Um, but we do know that Joseph is the uh, son or is a carpenter. Uh, he's a carpenter, and so uh, if he did good at his trade, he, he would make a fairly good living and uh, would be well known in the community if uh, he is one of the few carpenters around. And so... If you have your Bible this morning, we're going to jump between Luke 1 and Matthew 1 over the next few weeks. And um, just want to read to you uh, briefly a little bit of their story. And so, in the sixth month, it says in uh, Luke 1, verse 26, In the sixth month, uh, an angel, Gabriel, was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. Um, in a virgin betrothed to be married to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And so, 
we have here Mary, who is uh, a young woman. And and in that culture, to be betrothed is quite a bit different than what we experience today. Uh, To be betrothed, there's a a commitment between two families, often arranged, (laughs) not out of romance uh, necessarily, but uh, out of a good fit for the families. And uh, there'd be a dowry or some type of payment between them, maybe some good goats. I don't know how many goats she was worth, but uh, uh, there's some sort of uh, arrangement there. And uh, with the betrothal process, uh, I like to think of this idea of the four C's, I call them. But uh, you have the, uh, first off, you have the idea of a contract or a commitment uh, between the families. And then from there, you wait until the ceremony. Then you have the consummation of the marriage. They become one and uh, start living together and doing life together. And then a week-long celebration. I like that last part, a week-long celebration of fun with family. And, um, but between this uh, time of commitment and uh, when the ceremony and consummation happen, could be anywhere from a year to two years to up to seven years Um, depending on the agreement made between the families or maybe the daughter was a little bit younger and so they said, we're going to make this commitment now and let her come of age. And so they were in the midst of this betrothal period of waiting between the the commitment and the ceremony to happen and them to be together and start their uh, family together. This is important because uh, at that moment of commitment, once you're engaged, (laughs) you are considered husband and wife. And so uh, if you were to read in the account of Matthew, uh, it declares already just as Joseph, the husband of Mary. That's why it says that, uh, because there was already that commitment there. But they had not experienced that uh, time together yet. And so for her to come upon this and to come upon this time, it was quite uh, shocking for her to find out and for them to find out that she was pregnant. Um, you know, they were set up as a couple. Uh, we might categorize them, I would say, as a, a, maybe a middle, getting ready to start off as a middle-class couple. Comfortable life. <laughs> uh, able to have a good income and, and a good home that he would probably be able to build. Maybe like Pastor Bob can build anything, right? Likes to work with wood. So uh, they were set up pretty well. Things were going to go really well for them. And, and this was known around the community. People were happy for them. And... They had a lot to look forward to, and it was a good place for a young Jewish couple to start. Um, But into this ordinary, common, everyday relationship would come an extraordinary opportunity from God. As we begin to look a little bit deeper in, I want to turn here back to Matthew uh, chapter 1. I'm going to read you two longer sections, and then we're going to kind of walk through uh, what happens here. It says this um, in Matthew 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ, Matthew 1:18. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, 
For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And continuing with the same story, paralleled in, in Luke chapter 1, uh, we see that Mary, uh, it says, He came to Mary and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give you to him, give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born and will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, would be John the Baptist, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, as we look at this and we walk into this story, I think I want you to just remember one key line today, and that is, when we believe God's promises are true, they direct what we do. And that's simple faith. Simple faith is believing God's promises are true, and they direct what we do. And yet, as we'll see, simple faith isn't always so simple. I don't know if you've ever got shocking news. Somebody begins to talk, and you're just like, I can't believe what is happening. Maybe if you're like me, it takes a moment to think through it and and get your wits about you and re- to respond. And we see that happening with, with Mary first. Mary's the first one visited. No one else knows this but her. She is visited. And she had yet to have the child in her. She's yet to know a man. She just is making wedding plans. Plans to spend her life with Joseph. And this angel appears. Mary, quite innocently, I think, asked, like, okay, how is this actually going to work, this, this pregnancy? And the angel begins to share it with her. It's amazing that, that she begins to process this. And as she processes this, she's told to go and visit her cousin, Elizabeth, who's much older and who has a child who would be John the Baptist. And most believe it's, it's when she comes back from that comes back from that time that uh, the Holy Spirit has visited her. Now she is showing uh, several months along and people, uh, perhaps that scene from the movie happened when she arrived back and people were like, what happened while you were away? (laughs) Couldn't hide it. 
People knew what was going on. The rumors, I'm sure, began to spread pretty quickly in their village or town and neighborhood, friends and family, definitely in her own home. I don't know if, if Joseph was invited in with the parents and told about this, if Mary went and tried to explain it to Joseph. <laughs> we know that he found out uh, before an angel visited him. And because it was a betrothal, because a commitment was made, the options before him, I mean... <laughs> It's pretty devastating. It's pretty devastating because she didn't know how he was going to react. She didn't know what Joseph was going to say. She didn't understand all the details of how God would work it out. And yet she responded to the angel, I will do as the Lord says. And then she burst forth into this glorious song I'd encourage you to read over this week as you prepare for Christmas. This song of praise just pours out from her mouth hearing this news and somehow understanding and grasping it and trusting God in the midst of that. I, I don't understand how she could so quickly come to that moment. Maybe it's because she was there in the presence of an angel. It was overwhelming, but I'm sure she traveled to Elizabeth. Uh, she had to stop and think about all the implications of what had been told her. Joseph, hearing it, he knew the law she was an adulterer, if she was caught in that, she could be stoned to death. We get a glimpse of Joseph's deep character and perhaps why God chose him to be uh, the earthly stepdad of Jesus. And he decides, I'm going to quietly divorce her. Now for Joseph, everything is on the line, right? I mean, if you're a carpenter, you're a tradesman in that day, your reputation is your living. <laughs> and if people think that you are not holy, you're not following the Lord, you're unclean, you're going to lose business, you're going to lose face, you're going to lose money, you're not going to be able to provide. Would he ever even be able to find another family willing to commit to give him a bride? And yet for her sake, and for his perhaps, he decided to just deal with it quietly and, and move on with life. Preserving her and perhaps saving himself a little bit of face. And so it's pretty interesting that we begin to walk in this and in these moments of life when life moves from comfortable to crazy or predictable to unsettled, we've got an opportunity on how we're going to respond and react, don't we? When life throws the unexpected front to us, how do we respond? How do we process the implications when we come to the Word of God, our opportunities to respond to it in our lives are areas that the Holy Spirit's moving us to adjust or change or people we know we're supposed to reach out to or talk to or relationships we're supposed to work and humble ourselves and mend. How do we respond? How do we trust the promises of God? What is our reaction when things begin to go not the way we had planned. Where does our trust lie? Now, Mary and Joseph, obviously unique, unique situation. In all of history, it is this couple that was chosen to be the parents of God's own son, Jesus Christ. And yet, in this moment, we, we can understand the idea of our crises and complexities 
can be caused by an any number of things, but we're not unlike them that sometimes we have to stop and wonder how people are going to react. Maybe it's how people are going to react if you hold to an ethical standard at work that is not the norm, but you feel is the way to honor the Lord. Maybe it's the choices you're going to make with your children um, and how you raise them, what they get to do, what they get to watch. Maybe it's choices you make with what you talk about, what you don't, what you watch for entertainment, and other people notice. And you have to deal with how they're going to react. What are they going to think of you? What are they going to say about you? Are you going to be labeled by other people? I know we're not visited by angels uh, with decrees, but do we really believe God is overseeing all of our own circumstances? Do we really believe that he, he protected and provided the word of God and the witness of his son being risen from the grave, leading to a change that swept through our world that hasn't stopped since? A dramatic change in his disciples. If he wasn't risen from the dead, I don't believe we'd be here this morning. Why would we? Jesus would have just been another prophet. And so as we look at this, do we believe whatever we are facing, God desires to use it for his glory, our growth, and even for the good of somebody else? (laughs) Do you believe that God wants to use you and use your circumstances and, and his word to change you and to grow you and to bring himself glory, even though it may look messy, and maybe even to take your mess and make it into a ministry to somebody else? We have some of the same questions that they faced. See, God shared his plan, which is his promise to Joseph and Mary. And they had to react to what his promises are. We have promises from the Lord ourselves. That Jesus indeed will be returning. That we follow him. He will bless us and guide us. Impact our hearts and minds transform us from the inside out, and use us amazingly to impact other people. Now, I can't even imagine this idea of this privilege that Mary had of being the, the mother of, the, of Jesus Christ. I, I don't know if it's something, I, it had to be something that she got used to and began to try and understand. Even once she was born, I'm sure it was a challenge, uh, And I'm not sure how that conversation went the first time she faced Joseph. Um, And I don't know if she shared of her visit from the angel or just left it up to faith and prayed and said, see what Joseph will do, and then he came to her. But God began to work one step at a time, and she obeyed even though she didn't have the whole story. And Joseph responded and obeyed even though he didn't have the whole story. When he was visited by the angel, he woke up the next morning and knew what God had called him to do, and he stepped into that. He didn't have all the details, how it would work out with their community, how it would change their planned consummation and celebration. But he stepped out, and when we believe God's promises are true, they direct what we do. It's one thing to just say, I believe this, Uh, I I like this story of Jesus, and check a box. But does that belief turn into action? Because if it really is belief and trust and faith that God was able to make 
his son, Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, a baby in a manger. As simple as this scene is, and yet as complex as that whole concept is, if God is able to do that, can we trust him and believe in him and lean on him? You see, handling a situation with integrity, not participating in conversations, praying for someone, stepping out of your comfort zone and giving generously so those three families could be blessed so that we as a community could impact people beyond our walls isn't always easy. It isn't always fun, but it starts with believing God's promises are true and then putting that belief into action. But see, the simple call that you hear at Incline that we, we like to say and bring people together with is that you come as you are, but as you encounter Jesus, you leave one step closer to him. And that may be one step closer to you understand something new about God, something new about theology or the study of God or how God works in the world. Or it may be one step closer because you're convicted to live out a truth. Or to go and impact somebody else. We don't want you to stay where you're at. We want to keep moving you one step closer to God. But we realize everybody comes wherever you're at. <laughs> we all have different stories, different ways God's working in us. And that's the amazing part of his promises. Is that they apply to Joseph and Mary and yet they apply all the way here to our lives today. And yet, in the midst of that, I love the picture of this story because this story here, this moment in history, was the most improbable moment. In fact, all of Jesus' life is just improbable. Uh, on a, being from Texas, one of my favorite illustrations is, you know, there's over 300 uh, prophecies about the life of Christ. His birth, his death, who he is, what he taught. And uh, just for eight of those to be fulfilled, let's say eight out of 300, what would the odds be? Well, if you're to take silver dollars and to spread them out and stack them two feet high across the great state of Texas, and then take one person and mark a coin, color the backside of it, flip it out there somewhere in Texas, and drop a person in, let them wander around, and let them randomly grab one coin. That's the odds of just eight of those prophecies coming true. Yet over 300 came to fulfillment in Christ's life. The idea of Jesus being born uh, in Bethlehem. The idea of him being born to a virgin. Um, the Later on in their lives, the, the Messiah being called from Egypt, the being buried in a rich man's grave, his clothes, and what happened with them uh, being gambled away, his death, and even his resurrection, um, and even his common life, as Isaiah described him, he was not something that we would behold. He was quite common. And yet God brought all of those promises to their completion. 
And we have promises we're looking forward to that God is working on. We have promises in the Scripture that we can trust in. God has been faithful from the beginning. From the moment that we broke our vow with the Lord and when Adam and Eve sinned and they said, we want to become like you, then we don't, we're not satisfied with just walking in your glory and our relationship with you. From that moment, he set a promise into place that he would crush the enemy through the birth of a child. God is in control. And so when we trust and we believe his promises are true, they should impact what we do. This is a great story, but I mean, this is hard. What Mary and Joseph did was hard to trust God. It started with an amazing, beautiful, life-changing encounters with the angel Gabriel. Can't even imagine. We try and portray what that's like to see an angel. I'm sure it's greater than our minds can conceive and our film directors can conceive. And yet, uh, in the midst of that, it wasn't so easy. They had to step out of that. After that moment, they had the reality of their community. Mary had to walk down the streets and get the looks. Joseph had to wonder about his business. And then they finally make this decision, hey, we're going to do this together. What comes? A letter in the mail. You get to go on a road trip <laughs> back to Bethlehem for the census, and you're going to have to stay there. I don't know how they did census back then without computers and paper. and They make everybody travel to their hometown, and then it takes a long time to register them, to work through it, to, to fulfill the ego of these Roman Empire. <laughs> and in the midst of that, they had to go, and as we know, they get there, and what? There's no place to stay. The journey wasn't fun. I haven't been pregnant, but I've walked alongside four pregnancies, and I could never imagine telling Rachel she gets to walk or ride a donkey for however many miles. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, I, we had a hard enough time with just little road trips. So um, Within that, they had to take that step. Then the inn didn't happen. They had to find a, a manger, a stable, a place to stay. It wasn't the cleanest place. And even in the midst of uh, the birth, uh, soon after that, at a time that they find out that <laughs> babies are being killed because their child was born. They have to get up and trust in the Lord and head where? To Egypt. <laughs> and they're in Egypt. Once again, they've got to believe in the Lord and come back. <laughs> come back and start life Brand new, new city, new reputation, got a kid, try and build a life together. And in the midst of all this, I wonder if they're just thinking, is, is he really the Messiah? I mean, he's crying and moving around like a toddler. And I'm sure there's something different about his character from the beginning, being the son of God and not ever sinning. So it's different than any child ever born. Uh, Pretty easy parenting, maybe, but <laughs> different than my parenting experience and my parents before me and your parents before you. And, and yet, in the midst of that, steps of faith and trust had to go over and over and over in their lives, didn't it? And that's the way it is with us. We may make that decision to step out with the Lord and to trust the Lord, and yet obstacles are going to come. Challenges are going to come. We're not always going to know how he's going to work out each situation ahead of us. 
But do we trust this beauty of the simplicity of the promises of God? What God says is true, what he says he will do, and he desires to do it through you in this world. Two simple, everyday, common people responding in pure faith and trust in the promises of God, taking one step at a time. I so often make uh, elaborate plans or or try and uh, organize everything and get everything mapped out for the Lord. Even mapped out, and I insist in carrying, and then I get caught up in my own doubts with what God's doing or called me to do or challenged me to do with my life, or I get distracted by the things of this world or, or the enjoyments of this world, and I begin to lose my direction and wander off. And I complicate my life with that baggage of worrying or anxiety, and, and I quickly forget how it's so simple to just lay everything at Jesus' feet and walk one step at a time. And sometimes I have to get back to that simplicity of trusting in the Lord's promises. The beauty of simplicity is not that it's always simple. (laughs) It's that it's clear and right in trusting in the Lord. And we get it, we know it, we long for it. The beauty and the simplicity of Christmas is in our reach, but often uh, it's hard to grasp, isn't it? (laughs) It's hard, hard to grasp just how simply the baby came and how common that couple was because it's so uncommon what happened from that moment on. And yet, as I've read throughout history of the church and missions and even walked in churches, that it's from the common, simple faith of people just like you and I that God changes lives. Movements are started. Uh, and I love just reading the missionary uh, biographies of those who just were told, you can't do it, you, you're not good enough, you're, you're, you're a woman, you couldn't go and make an impact there. And like Gladys Aylward uh, called and just had this burden to minister uh, to children in China. <laughs> oh, you can't do that. And there's physical ailments, they thought she could never make it in that rough world, and yet she took that orphanage and then had to go on a journey with all these orphans to escape the the communist rule and relocate over these mountains. And she protected all the kids. Hundreds came to know the Lord through her. And there are dramatic stories like that. And then there are stories I've walked through and and just seen people simply loving on their neighbor. And I I needed to go over and pray for them. And, And seeing their life change and And seeing men step up and say, you know what, I I just need to be a leader. I need to get my family before the Lord. I need to start loving my wife better. And it transforms the whole direction and tenor of the home. I'm never shocked by how God uses simple steps of obedience to impact the world and to change us. I don't want us to downplay our role in this big story because we often look around and we don't feel connected or just feel something should be on the big screen, Mary and Joseph. But they're not much unlike you and I. And, you know, and even as we walk through, watch through, and I don't know if you're family, but we'll have several of the Christmas movies we cycle through every year. 
Um, you, you know the common ones, right? We have the Christmas carol. We have, uh, if you can sit through it all, it's a wonderful life. And, uh, and um, you know, and, and then when there's, of course, the Grinch that stole Christmas, Frosty the Stoneman, Rudolph, and the list goes on and on. A, Christ, a Christmas story and some of those other more secular ones. And, and yet within them, I think there, there's a common strand in a majority of them. It's getting back to the simplicity of Christmas, right? The Grinch, it's not about boxes, bags, or bells. It's about the joy of Christmas. He took everything away from the Who's, and they still celebrated. Oh, and then Scrooge, Scrooge had to go back and, and uh, see Christmas past, present, and future to get his attitude adjusted, and he just didn't get it. Tiny Tim's family barely had anything, and yet they were most happy because they were together. The simple Christmas. The same with good old George Bailey. He discovered contentment by seeing what life would be without him. What do we need to discover? Maybe uh, you are like angry and you're just, you're angry like Scrooge and you're just mad at life this Christmas. Something's making you angry and you need to look to the past of what Jesus Christ did to you. Look to the future of what he's going to do for us. So that can change your present. Or maybe you're, you're like the Grinch and you're, you're just focused on gifts or the busyness or the next thing you've got to get done. You're not stopping and soaking in what Christmas is about. Or maybe you're in a spot where hope is kind of hard to grasp like George Bailey and you need to realize that you are worthy. <laughs> Jesus deemed you worthy by coming down <laughs> into this cradle. He deemed that you're worth coming for and ultimately dying for from the cradle to the cross. He came for you because he loves us. Even though we don't deserve it, he loves us and stepped into our story and walked among us, Emmanuel. And when we understand and believe God's promises are true, they do direct what we do. You know, the more uh, one uh, minister said, the more obstacles you have, the more opportunities there are for God to do something. Uh, William Carey, one of my favorite missionaries, said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. So what promises do you need to respond to today? Uh, What truths um, do you not just need to believe, but step out and act upon? Um, what opportunities is God placing in your path? Open your eyes and see as you interact with people over the next week to 10 days. Look for opportunities where God may be showing you you can impact somebody. And then some of the most life-changing moments are born in simple steps of obedience. And a simple step of obedience we practice together is... It's remembering the Lord's sacrifice, why this baby ultimately came in taking the Lord's Supper together. It's a simple act, a little cup of juice and a little square and taking it together. But in that simple time, we want to provide with you this morning that gift of an opportunity to reflect, to think, to listen to the Spirit of God. Or maybe even to come before Jesus for the first time and trust Him as your Lord and Savior for forgiveness of sins and salvation. And so uh, I'm going to invite here in a moment after I pray um, a young one and Jerome to come up. We're going to 
pass out uh, the, the bread and the juice. And uh, if you'll hold it and just pray and reflect, then we'll take it all together as a community this morning. Um, all of the crackers now are, just, uh, are all gluten-free, so we don't have to worry about that. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, <laughs> what a joy to 